What do firewalls, intrusion detection systems, virtual private networks, and network traffic encryption and authentication technologies have in common? They are network security measures designed to protect the enterprise's perimeter from external attacks. What they do not do is protect an enterprise from vulnerabilities from within, like poorly designed business applications. As organizations accelerate migration of workloads to the cloud, CIOs and CISOs will need to work in tandem with the development team to enhance web application security. In today's podcast for Future CIO, we look to address application vulnerabilities in the cloud. We've invited Mark Lukey, System Engineer Manager for Barracuda Networks, to discuss the findings of a recent survey on web application security. Mark, welcome to Podcasts for Future CIO. Thanks for having me, Alan. According to Gartner Security, the application layer currently contains 90% of vulnerabilities. Any reason for such a high percentage? Uh, Look, I think in terms of application vulnerabilities and and sort of the nature of it is code is constantly changing, right? You know, um, applications being written are being written by by individuals. More and more vulnerabilities are being sort of discovered, you know, on a daily sort of basis. So, you know, ultimately what that comes down to is is going to be more risks associated to it. Also, I suppose because of how, you know, relevant it is in that most business are, you know, moving to a, um, you know, a digital platform, moving their infrastructure there, having online sites, resources. It's something that we're kind of becoming used to day in and day out. Becoming used to is a worrying thing <laughs> from my perspective. <laughs> it, it can be. You know, we obviously don't like to hear about, you know, large wide-scale breaches. And obviously, you know, as, you know, professionals within the security space, we're obviously always trying to be ahead of them and combat these attackers and make sure that we've got security solutions that are, you know, relevant and helping our customers. Do you see the migration to the cloud, for example, especially the public cloud, making businesses more or less secure than they are already? Um, look, Alan, I would say, you know, it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, the people that are looking for public cloud are, are looking for the elasticity, the availability, you know, making sure that they can scale their applications and also deploy them to where their customers are, um, be it in region or, or out of country. Now, coming along with that, obviously with public cloud, there is a large amount of APIs available, and that's obviously going to give security vendors a lot more of a, um, a play to really help those companies leverage the public cloud. You know, unfortunately, with public cloud, cloud, there is always going to be a a shared security model in that the public cloud provider is responsible for their infrastructure and their uptime and and all that sort of stuff. So they're responsible for securing the cloud. However, the customers need to understand that they are ultimately responsible for what information they put into the cloud. So, you know, I would say that the suite of security solutions that are available to work on top of public cloud is more than, I suppose, that traditional on-prem or is becoming less and less um, for those sort of on-premise worlds. When you talk about business applications, uh, whether it's on-prem, as in develop in-house or off-the-shelf package that some organizations favor or acquire because they don't really have a large development team. So that means it's a licensed application from a third party. And then there's the software as a service model that we've started to see in the last uh, well, a decade or so, with uh, starting with the folks at salesforce.com. To a certain degree, how does an internal IT, a CISO, for example, or even a CIO, how do you own security? as an issue if at the end of the day you have a mixed bag of applications developed in-house, licensed software from a third party, as well as the software as a service model? Look, Alan, it's obviously going to be a challenge for larger organizations. You know, they need to understand where their risk is. I suppose there's lots of, you know, companies out there doing penetration tests and and able to do risk assessments for these companies to understand, you know, where they potentially uh, are at risk. 
and what's within their control. From a security perspective, you know, at least from a vendor's point of view, being able to offer technology, security technology in a form factor that basically suits the customer's environment. You know, we can't forget that a lot of businesses are still using on-premise infrastructure, you know, hardwares, you know, racks, things like that. So they're looking for security solutions to be able to deploy and complement that. As people move to public cloud, you obviously need to then have the security solutions that are available in those marketplaces and available to consume as, as they would cloud services. And then for people that are maybe not looking or have, um, you know, maybe a, a lower skill set and looking for maybe some easier manageability, have the vendor kind of do some of the heavy lifting, that as a service model is, you know, obviously people that are that are looking more towards. Um, that's something that, you know, definitely from our point of view is, you know, we've been looking to develop and, and offer as a service models as well to complement those customers that are looking for that, you know, ease of use and, and scalability. There's a Forrester report, a survey that says 42% of organizations that had experienced an external attack blamed the incident on a software security flaw, and 35% said that it resulted from a buggy web application. We now have over 20 years of experience in the use of cloud computing, and probably a lot more in terms of in-house developing applications for you businesses. What are we doing wrong? Why do we continue to have these security flaws, whether it's in-house or external, or as you say, partly because we're using the cloud? Yeah, look, I think, Alan, it's been a little bit of uh, I think some organizations have maybe put their head in their sand for a little bit too long. I suppose ignored the the point that they have, you know, public facing applications or just applications that are that are out there exposed to their users that could potentially be unsecured. You know, they may not have employed, you know, uh, web application firewalls or had, you know, a dedicated security team to really be able to identify any issues. You know, we saw a lot of companies that would rely on third party hosting providers to I suppose take responsibility for that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if, if the company Companies and invested themselves in, in looking for a good security solution. You know, sometimes those third-party companies, you know, aren't, aren't motivated to do so. You know, I think in the Gartner Web Application Firewall 2020 report, it talked about Gartner's predictions for 2023 was that 30% of all web applications, you know, will be protected by some sort of application security or API protection. Now that still leaves 70% of applications exposed. So that risk is still high, if you ask me. I do agree. Seventy percent is still a very high number, especially right. if you fall in that seventy percent. Exactly. Um, now, look. Obviously, you know, a lot of people have websites in a public presence. They may not be using, you know, advanced e-commerce sites or have, you know, large CRMs that are exposed to the outside world. So, you know, there's obviously a bit of bit of skew there. But anyone that has personally identifiable information or you know key customer information themselves that they're generating really needs to make sure they've got a good security posture around those applications. You mentioned a while ago the use of API or application programming interfaces. Now, the use of API to connect applications and businesses will continue, especially with governments promoting open API. How should organizations enhance their security strategy without slowing their embrace of API and web applications? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if you think about, I suppose, APIs, the new way in which, you know, developers are writing solutions to service their customers. You know, if you think about the traditional way of, of having a browser, me as the consumer or me as the uh, the end user, I'm going to use a browser to connect to an application. I'm going to make a request and the backend application is going to do, you know, the computing on the background and then going to give me that information I want via my browser. Now, when API has kind of been written, that has kind of shifted the other way in that the application that may be on my mobile phone or something that's installed on a PC or a Mac, that's really what's doing the, the calculations and putting it all together. 
and the raw data is being fed out via an API. So unfortunately, what that means is that there could potentially be some vulnerabilities exposed. You know, attackers can kind of work out how that API framework is presenting data, and it could potentially leave, you know, those businesses exposed to API types of attacks. And we have, you know, heard and, and seen them in the industry where things have been left open and exposed. Um, there hasn't been any sort of rate control where, you know, we're limiting the amount of requests or the types of requests coming into those APIs. And attackers have kind of figured out how to steal information or inject stuff uh, into those APIs. It is a new form of developers and how they're writing code. It scales, but obviously we need to make sure that we've got good security around those APIs and, and how we're protecting it to make sure that uh, those vulnerabilities aren't being exposed and, and attackers are able to take advantage of them. I've been dealing with a lot of banks uh, and more recently the e-commerce the retail uh, retailers and going online. There's been a greater use of bots, whether it's for customer support service issues or just uh, the buying side of, of the cycle. How should CIOs frame the company's security strategy to minimize the risks that are inherent with the, the use of bots? Yeah, look, bots is a is a sort of uh, you know a very interesting topic. We're definitely seeing bots and and bot traffic on the rise. If you have a look at you know in the past how bots have traditionally been used for the good side of things is they've been used in order to help developers QA their applications, making sure that when they write good code that they you know these bots can basically crawl and and be used for good on their websites. Now the inverse of that is that the you know the, the guys that are creating bad bots and, and potentially you know renting them out are using it for for bad. It could be widespread crawling across websites to, again, buy guess items. Um, we've heard things with, you know, PS5 going on sale and AMD sort of, you know, cutting edge graphics cards for all the, the crypto miners. And so these bots have been out there basically buying all these goods very, very quickly. And then they're used for financial gain on, on the flip side of it. The bots are becoming more and more intelligent. They're able to mimic a lot more human activity. They're able to bypass a lot of the security that websites are putting in front of them, like capture and recapture in order to to basically trick the, the security measures that are there. So really, I suppose from a, a technology point of view, it's making sure that whatever security you choose has an ability to not only detect these bots, but also offer remediation against it in order to protect your online presence or your, uh, your digital assets, I suppose. What is your advice to members of C-suites, not just the CIO and the CISO, but even the board as it relates to creating a more secure business environment in the digital era and while we have COVID-19 hanging around us? Yeah, I suppose it's all about looking at it from a from a broader, broader perspective. You know, obviously having point solutions that do specific tasks. Um, I think from a C-level executive, you know, not only making sure that the people in charge of our, uh, our journey to the cloud, but you know, also protecting our online our, our sort of on-prem infrastructure, but also not forgetting about our end users. You know, as people are now working from home, they're distracted. Everyone from the, you know, the next 12 months, I don't think is going to be changing and, and hurrying back to the office too soon. So our end users become, uh, you know, a huge potential risk for us to be exposed. So I think a lot of organizations need to think about that holistic approach, making sure they encapsulate those users with some good training and awareness, making sure they've got good security solutions that not only protect their applications and cloud environment, but also from a networking perspective. You know, we've seen a lot of, you know, talk about zero trust and sort of um, making sure that we've got very defined access. I think that's going to be very relevant for, for CISOs uh, moving into the future and, and looking at that sort of technology is um, something to really help them.
Now, I'm going to leave you with a simple challenge. In all of what we discussed, these bots, use of APIs, uh, move to the web and all that, and still we have a lot of enterprise applications remaining on-prem. So we have this hybrid multi-cloud model for a lot of organizations, especially the large ones. What is the role of Barracuda Networks in all of this? And I give you 30 seconds to give me to frame your answer in a 30-second window. Okay, I'll do my best. So Barracuda's role is really to provide, you know, industry-leading security solutions that are easy to deploy, configure, and purchase, but also to protect customers on their journey, whatever that may be, moving into public cloud, protecting their emails, protecting their network and their applications, and also providing, you know, resilient data protection solutions. It's my job to make sure that people are aware, I suppose, of, of the risks and, and, and the solutions that are out there to obviously help them and make sure they're ultimately secure in, in what they cho choose to move, whatever their direction may be. Mark, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you very much, Alan. It's been a pleasure. That was Mark Lukey, System Engineering Manager for Barracuda Networks on the topic of addressing application vulnerability in the cloud. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our weekly free newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.